Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello again, friends. We are ready to talk about another passage in Scripture on the kingdom of God, moving right along in order in which they appear in the Gospels. And today we're going to look at Matthew 11, verse 11 and verse 12, and then also the parallel is in Luke 16, 16. So I'll go ahead and read those to you. Matthew 11, verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And then we have the parallel in Luke 16, 16, which says, Until John the Baptist, the law of Moses, and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom is preached, and everyone is eager to get in. That's the new living. Let me read the English Standard Version. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom is preached, and everyone forces his way into it, or presses into it, as the King James puts it, and the New King James. Now, this issue of spiritual violence, pressing into the kingdom, is a topic that I've covered both in the book Insurgents and in a message on spiritual violence, taking the kingdom by force, on this very podcast. And it was a conference message I had shared that was recorded so I want to make a few comments about this that maybe we haven't covered in the past. And of course, Nikki V is with me, so he has an awful lot to say about this because he has studied for several weeks preparing for this particular passage. Insert we'll, sarcasm <laughs> reference here. So we'll see the riches that he has to bestow. John the Baptist is very, very interesting in the story, the story of Jesus. On many levels but one is he is a bridge between the old age and the new age the very gospel according to Luke begins with John the Baptist listen to Acts chapter 1 verse 21 therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us so John is sort of the linchpin between the old age and the new age. And of course, he was the first to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And there's no doubt that in this passage, the kingdom of God is being presented in its present form. The kingdom is here. People are pressing into it. The violent are taking it by force. Basically, the Lord is saying that the kingdom, since John the Baptist began to proclaim the gospel has been storming its way along. And I want to break up some of the wording here because I think it will illuminate what the Lord is saying. He says, among those born of women, 
there's never been a greater one than John the Baptist. Clearly, John the Baptist was the greatest of all of the prophets in the Old Testament age. But then he says, he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Now, that's a fascinating comment mm -hmm. because John was great. I mean, John was greater, according to Jesus, than Isaiah and Jeremiah. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than all of the prophets. But the person that is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. I believe it's because that the person who is least in the kingdom has been born from above. That since the resurrection of Jesus, all who call upon the name of the Lord receive his indwelling life. We have the Spirit. And Jesus said, you cannot enter the kingdom except you are born of the Spirit, John 3, 5. And then in John 1, verses 12 to 13, he basically draws a distinction between those who are born of the flesh <laughs> and those who are born of the Spirit. To them he gave them the power and the right to become the sons of God, not those who are born of women or of the flesh, but of the Spirit. So John, even though he was the greatest of all prophets, and even though he opened the doors to the kingdom, he was the first one to do it, he did not enter the kingdom the same way that those who believed on Christ after his resurrection did. He did not have the indwelling Spirit. So that makes John a great prophet, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him by virtue of the new birth. So that's the first point. The second point is that with John's preaching, the gates of the kingdom began to open just barely. And so getting back to the Disney World analogy, I see the Old Testament prophets, a continuous stream of their prophecies saying Disney World's going to be built. Disney World's going to be built, right? The foundation's being laid. John the Baptist comes along and now we have a gate, the gate to the magic kingdom. And the doors are just starting to open, not quite fully. And now we have a line of people, miles from the gate to the parking lot, this huge line of people, and they're trying to push their way into the kingdom. And then, of course, when Jesus comes, the gates open. So the message here, I think, for us, and again, this is a repeat of things I've said, is that it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Well, it's many things, but among them are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit, right? The fullness of Christ, the unsearchable riches of Jesus. Well, those things are not just given to you without a response on your part, and that response is to press in, is to take the land. Just like God gave Israel the land, the good and abundant land flowing with milk and honey, they had to actively press their way into it, even though there were obstacles occupying the land, the, the giants. By faith, they were to enter into it. And so in the same way, Nikki V, I believe that the Lord gives his children the kingdom, but there is a part we play, a part wherein we are out of desperation and hunger and thirst. They who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. We press into what God has given us. We force our way into what God has promised. And this began during the days of John the Baptist. That is everything I was going to say. You just said. <laughs> so all of my spiritual gems and jewels have been taken. But I'll offer up this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's such a 
provocative statement by the Lord to say <laughs> that John is the greatest ever born. I mean, you 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 named off some pretty large shoes there with Moses and Abraham and gosh, even some of the, the prophets, right? And yet, you know, the, the statement's unequivocal on the Lord's part. And then maybe even more astounding than that is the is the second half of the statement, which is but anybody mm-hmm. who is born from above the least in the kingdom is greater than than John the Baptist. And I think you I think you really nailed it. I mean I think the dividing line is really simple. The difference between the least in the kingdom and John the Baptist, as incredible as he was, was the indwelling Christ. That post John the Baptist and post the arrival of Jesus and his resurrection and his ascension and his sending of the Spirit is that we now have the ability to be indwelt by God. So even if you take the very least, whatever that means, right, the least in the kingdom, that person is indwelt by God's own Holy Spirit. That person, when you hold that up mm-hmm. to John the Baptist, as incredible as his ministry was, he was still on that side of that gate. Yeah. Even though he led all of us right up to the gate and his honor of being the forerunner of the Son of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a, what a ministry to be given. Mm-hmm. Um, still, his internal makeup is different than the least in the kingdom who now has the very God of God indwelling them, which is just an incredible thing to even be able to say about a human being. So I'm tracking right with you on that. And then I come back to the Beatitudes, you know, in Matthew 5, where a lot of this starts in Matthew for the with the kingdom talk. We started in Matthew 6 a few episodes ago. But I can't help but think of the very the very first beatitude and Jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. so in my mind I'm thinking what's happening here in in in, uh, in Matthew 11 as we're reading this is we're talking about the poor in spirit here mm-hmm. that those are the least right I mean those are the very least people in the kingdom of heaven that's the that's the key. That's the ticket in through the gate is not that I'm in spiritual poverty because we all are, but that I recognize. And that produces a desperation. Well, that's it. See, this is step one in my opinion is I recognize my spiritual poverty and in my recognition of it and my truly having my eyes revealed to my spiritual poverty, I then become desperate and aggressive about seizing that which the Lord has provided for me. And I become, as you say in your book, um, you have a chapter on spiritual violence in insurgents, and you use the term aggressive desperation. I become desperate, then I become aggressive about my desperation. But this is all in a positive way, because my solution is not to attack another human being or to attack a group or a movement. It's not violence towards someone else. The violence is towards that which is holding me back from entrance into the kingdom. And so I become violent towards these things in my life, Mm -hmm. which the kingdom of God is spiritual. Spirit is spirit. 
So flesh cannot inherit spirit. So the things which are carnal and fleshly in my life, those are among the things that hold me back from grasping and seizing the kingdom. So my violence now becomes directed toward those things and, and other things as well. But, but the violence is always aimed at the obstacles that are holding me back from the kingdom, which is never another human being, by the way. So my violence is never aimed that That's way. Right. Even if it looks like it's another human, it's actually something in me, uh, you know, some, some dynamic in me, some flaw in me, some dysfunction in me that's holding me back from the kingdom. So the violence is always aimed at the self-life and yeah. at, at these things uh, that, that are holding me back. So what I see here is I see Jesus saying, unless you are born again, born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But seeing the kingdom of God, I could still be on the outside of that gate looking in. I can see it, mm-hmm. but I haven't entered in. Because then he, he steps it up a notch in his second statement to Nicodemus. He says, unless a man is born of water and spirit, mm-hmm. he cannot enter into the kingdom. So you can see the kingdom of God without necessarily yeah. entering into well, it. Well, Moses saw the land and didn't he, didn't press, he didn't yeah. press into it. And it's interesting to me as well that entering the kingdom, as I pointed out in Insurgents, is a process. You know, just getting that ticket to Disney World and entering through the gate, you're in. But Disney World is a whole lot of exhibits to visit and rides to ride and places to see. And that's what the kingdom of God is, just like the land of Israel. You know, just because you entered into the border of the land doesn't mean you've seen it all, entered all of it. And to apply this even more, every great stride I have made in the Lord or anything that was of significance that I received from him, took a fight yeah and not just a fight with the flesh but also those giants that are occupying Mm -hmm. right Right. the principalities and powers that we war with the wicked forces of darkness you know that kind of hover over the kingdom in a sense to push through and to fight with the sword of the spirit to take the land that is ours, you know, requires a fight. It's, it's warfare. Yeah. Even though the enemy has been defeated, there's a part we play in standing on that ground that we have been victorious and that these things that God has promised are, in fact, ours. But it takes that violent posture to enter and to press in. So I have found in my experience, a good example also is Jacob, how he wrestled with that angel. That was a violent taking of the kingdom, so to speak, right? He wouldn't let him go. He hung on until he received that which God had for him. Now, I will point out, you know, if you go to any Bible commentary written by a theologian or a scholar, you're probably not going to come across this interpretation. Not that it's unique to me or to us. Others in the past have had the same viewpoint, confirming it. But the traditional understanding of this text is totally and completely different. And quite candidly, I do not agree with it. It doesn't resonate. This, what we're sharing here, is what I believe fits the biblical pattern and and resonates the most. Yeah. Amen. I, I agree. Yeah, so I, I think with that vantage point, um, the only other thing I want to add is as you're talking about battling not only just your own flesh, but even spiritual entities, mm-hmm. principalities, powers, whatever the case may be, 
you get this sense again because we're all Americans and we're Western that this is a solo ex you know a solo mm-hmm. exhibition by me and I'm mm-hmm. trudging along like it's Pilgrim's Progress mm-hmm. and it's just me and I'm trying to make and to survive some of the things we're talking about for the long haul and to touch that victory and to experience the kingdom in the first century this was a corporate expedition absolutely uh they got through the gate together and once they were inside that kingdom they started exploring together and when they came upon enemies and understand we can have our own individual giants that have to be overcome and but even there we need the help of the body of christ exactly even if it is an individual issue that i'm wrestling with i still need the assistance of of the body of christ so some things we will touch together and and conquer together other things i might might be more individual but even within that individual experience i still need the corporate support to get through some things I've called you a few times when I've been wrestling with some things in yes, my own life. And I life. still haven't forgiven you for that. <laughs> because I couldn't get I couldn't I couldn't win the battle by myself yeah, and, and none of us can. Yeah. And I hate that there are Christians listening to this podcast or people who have never listened to this podcast. I hate the idea that there are Christians out there living under condemnation and defeat because their concept of the Christian life is that they're supposed to be conquering and being victorious on their own because we live in, in, in a time where there's such an individualized emphasis of the Christian life. Mm. And so they're not experiencing victory or they're not experiencing the kingdom in a, in a powerful and a fuller way when really the, the only element missing is that corporate power, that corporate support, that, that corporate pushing forward and that's that's a, a big part of I think even this spiritual violence that we're talking about. If I can just tell a little personal anecdote. So I lived in a Christian community in Philadelphia for many 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 years. Um, it was just an extraordinary experience. Um, very centered on Christ. One day, and I literally mean that. One day, um, the Lord dropped into our midst and into our hearts. Uh, the country of Albania, and um, almost, almost out of the blue. And at the time, Albania, this was in the early 1990s, Albania was a totally closed nation. It was not only communist, it was one of the most closed, vicious communist countries on the earth. They had a dictator that um, people didn't realize how, how dark and and evil and repressive and oppressive this whole regime was until after the country opened up. Anyway, when the Lord dropped on our hearts wanting to do this, um, he was wanting to see an expression of his body in that country. From a human standpoint, there was no way that was going to happen. No way. You were dealing with not only a communist nation, a utterly, totally isolated, closed communist country. And um, we started to to pray and I mean we received the burden from the Lord and we we felt uh, I mean there was a corporate agreement it was from the Lord and you know I think on some level we were wondering how this was going to happen but you know with such a close anyway we couldn't see everything the Lord could see coming down the barrel you know with with uh, 
the late 80s and early 90s saw just one of the most incredible things in human history, watching one communist nation after another topple, fall, and open. I mean, if you remember, we were both younger men in those days. Mr. But Gorbachev, <laughs> tear down this wall. It was really, on a human, from a human level, it was an astounding time to be alive. I mean, we grew up with communism being impenetrable and those countries being closed forever and ever, as far as we could tell. And then to watch one after the other fall was just, it was incredible. Anyway, Albania fell. And we were six, eight, 12 months into praying for Albania at that point. And it, and it opened up. But even, even after it opened up, the, the task was, was monumental. And there was, there was so much to be done um, before the gospel could even be preached. There was just getting in was difficult, you know. So my, my point in saying that was, it was a group of us spurring one another on, and there was spiritual violence conducted way back thousands of miles away in Philadelphia. There was spiritual violence conducted on behalf of people we hadn't even met yet in Albania, thousands of miles away from us. And nobody had ever been to that country, and we didn't even know anything about it you know, when we started. But the point was it was a corporate venture. And if any one of us had tried to take on anything that had to do with that. And we and we had a lot of different tasks involved in getting in into that country and that was all divided amongst the brothers and sisters in the church with various giftings. And so the kingdom of God was advanced into another nation, but the amount of time that elapsed in terms of, of prayer and spiritual taking on, like you said, spiritual entities, there were things that no individual could have taken on. Yeah and conquered. It was really a corporate thing. I have often said that the, the authority of Jesus Christ is given to his body. It's not the individual that goes around, you know, zapping demons. It's the power is on Jesus, and Jesus is manifested through his body. The body is the corporate Christ. The body is demonstrating the human Jesus on the earth. It's not the individual members. Now, if individual members are connected properly to the body, then that anointing oil will fall on them too. You know, to quote the psalm, it goes from the head down. But if they're not properly connected to the body, there's problems. And I love how Watchman Nee beautifully exposed the fact that the armor of God is not put on an individual. It's put on the body. It's put on a woman, the bride of Christ. Right, right. All that armor we read about in Ephesians 6, it's corporate. It's on a woman. It's on the ecclesia, the kingdom community. It's too big for you or me. Yeah, it's too big and it won't fit. Like Saul's armor, it won't fit. And the other part of it is, getting back to this corporate part, this corporate aspect, it was Israel, corporate, that entered into the land. And the land is a picture of the kingdom and the riches in the kingdom. It wasn't individuals who pressed in who pushed in, who took it by violence. And that was a metaphor, spiritual violence, the physical violence that they exercised on the Canaanites. Uh, It was all a picture. But again, we can individually press into the kingdom, but when it comes to issues of warfare, issues of travail, issues of great burden that's bigger than ourselves, we have to lock arms with other members of the body and press in that way. So... Hopefully, if you're new to the podcast and this reading of Matthew 11 and Luke 16 is new to you, go back to some episodes previous to this on spiritual violence. 
The message is called The Kingdom is Taken by Violence. It's episode 54. So that would be a good supplement to this episode. And also page 190. Page 190 and 191 of the book Insurgents. Well, we'll leave it there and we will meet you again in the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.